Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Yeah, hello. What's happening, bud? Not much. Not much. Busy week? It was. It was. Uh, I actually recorded twice this week. Recorded twice this week? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I was helping uh, John out. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's He uh, seems to be having uh, fun with his podcast. He is. He Good. is. Yeah. And uh, it's it's interesting to watch him go through all the initial growing pains that we had to go through. Although fortunately, all I have to do is bring beer. You have to do all the editing. So, so it's, it's easy on my part. Well, I now you don't even talk. have to bring beer. <laughs> That's true. You're working with John. <laughs> That's just awesome. <laughs> he did mention I should sh- mail him some whiskey. Ah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> A picture at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, pretty, uh, pretty busy around here, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we got a new garden in the back now. Oh, did you, you finish it? I should have looked. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it's Ariana's garden. Yeah. I just did all the work, right? Oh. <laughs> nah, she helped out, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, not much has been, ha- I got a couple things done last week, but I'll talk about those on another show. Uh, but other than that, yeah, not a lot. For me, it's been super busy at work. It's, uh, it just seems to be crazy time of year for for what's going on at work. And so it's, uh, I haven't had much time. I, I meant to do some research for tonight, but I never got around to it. That's all right. I got some done. Well, that's good. <laughs> One of us is pulling his weight. <laughs> Otherwise, it's the end of the show right now. Yeah. <laughs> what's what else? Oh, I mean, everybody's getting ready now. There's a lot of people getting ready to go out. Um, the lockdown's over soon. Third wave lockdown should well, be over it's, soon. He's, it's confusing messaging. Like yeah. I, I listened to the message this week and he was saying that, uh, schools are not going to reopen and, mm-hmm. uh, and well, for, I, I don't know the end result, but I know that Ontario parks has been selling, uh, passes or he's selling, uh, reservations for campsites. Uh, there's a guy at work. He bought, he purchased, uh, this week for Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Silent Lake. And, uh, I said, really? They're selling, t- they're, they're selling passes now? He says, well, they took my money, but they're taking his money counting on things opening up. If they don't yeah. open up, they're just going to get refunded, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're doing some weird stuff with part, with, with the park passes. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm not even getting into it. It's, I'm, it's really hard to determine what's going on because they're being kind of vague. He did say that the lockdown could last at least three more weeks and mm-hmm. then we go to phase two, which then things start to open up and phase two could be as little as two or three days. Yeah. I thought it was June 17th. That number sort of rings a bell. Yeah. He's now talking about, uh, Canada day. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but you know what? Keeps what people safe. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, my big thing is opening it up on a long weekend. What's everybody going to do? <laughs> right. It's going to be the fourth wave. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, other than that, just getting ready and wanting to do stuff. That's, that's mm-hmm. all that's been going around here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, I did get to use my Dutch oven. I got to use my twig stove and I got to use my reflector oven, use the new Billy can and... Just a note to listeners with cats. Cats are curious. And when your twig stove (laughs) cools off and you decide to put it on the kitchen table and forget it there overnight, when the cat is walking up the stairs and you look at it and it's got a big black smudge across its nose and down the side of its face, (laughs) bet you it matches the smudge on the twig stove. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least it was cooled off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That cat jumps up on the table. It's just the one, though. He gets in like Mr. Curiosity into everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the twig stove has been used. It's nice blacky sooty color and well, except for one spot apparently, which is <laughs> <laughs> transferred to a nice whisker, tan orange cat. Nose and whisker marks. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I did some research Googling and I went down a rabbit hole. And it got me thinking, reed boats, you know what reed boats are? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of them, you think about Egypt and stuff like that, right? So people like making their cedar strip canoes, their cedar canvas canoes, skin on frame canoes over the last few years have become popular, uh, and kayaks, you know, canoes and kayaks. Uh, and even once in a while you see somebody, they're building a birch bark canoe if they can find the enough birch bark. There's something 
about a handmade paddle craft that people just enjoy. You know, and you see the, I mean, even Mike Burns. Yeah. He looks at his and, you know, when he's doing them and stuff, like he's made them by himself, by hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people that have been working with John Babaluk from um, Backcountry Custom Canoes, you know, when they're, they're helping him build their canoe, you know, like it's just something about making it. Making something with your own hands. With your own hands, right? Or just just looking at a boat that somebody else has made with their own hands. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a major manufacturer, like, you know, whomever, Swift, North Star, yada, yada, yada. They're coming out of a factory and this is like a nine to five job and this is what they do. They're, they have a passion for it, but uh, they have a factory that pumps these things out. Yeah. So it's a lot less hands-on, but then when you compare that to something that somebody's built by hand and you can get a sense of the effort and the time that goes into it and the detail and the attention to detail and how they, you know, all the little things that it's like, wow, look what you did there. Oh, that's really neat, you know, and yeah. the effort so it's it's a visual key you can see the visual cues of the effort of the of the hand hands-on effort that goes into building one of these and it's, so it's just impressive it's just like wow you did that with your own hands well and there's some we've seen in some of the shows uh some of the canoes cedar strip canoes and some of the kayaks that people have made and you know they got the designs oh, and, yeah. and everything and colors and stuff like that and you're just like you, you start thinking, how am I going to, how would I even start something like that? I know, right? right? But being able to do something like that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. So I've been looking, the, I was just looking at the history of boats and ended up looking at reed boats. And, you know, there's, they go anywhere from like a small one person craft uh, up to some that can hold like crew and passengers and stuff like that. Uh, history shows that reed boats have been used in places like Egypt, Azerbaijan, Kenya, Bolivia, and Peru. I mean, Lake Titicaca is like huge for, for the reed boats. Um, actually Bolivia, Peru, and Ethiopia, they're still used, right? They're just made by assembling reeds or other thin branches into pointy kayak-like shapes. Yeah. I mean, you look at them and realistically you're sitting there, oh, that's pretty, pretty cool. But the the basics of it aren't that, don't seem that difficult. No, the, you know it's, not, it's not like it's uh it's like uh, advanced science or anything. It's just, but it's just a lot of effort and a lot of time that mm-hmm. you have to collect the reeds. You have to dry them and, you know, then you have to hand shape and, and weave them. And so there's a lot of effort that goes into it. Yeah. But there's not an advanced science. No. So they were used in areas way back, uh, you know, like where wood was scarce because you can't build a dugout canoe if there's no trees. Correct. Right? Petroglyphs from the Mesolithic period, they show large reed boats. Um, there's a remains of a 7,000-year-old reed boat was found in Kuwait, you know. the And nowadays, the most primitive examples are one-man boats made from banana stalks um, used on Lake Baringo in Kenya. And the most complex are found on Lake Titicaca, made up of millions of Totora reeds that can support as many as 60 people. That's a big boat. That's a big boat. So I started looking at um, some of the, the, the different styles and, and stuff like that. Let me tell you, once you start, <laughs> oh my yeah. God, there are just massive... Uh, like I say, there, there's these ones that they basically look like a tubular canoe or kayak for, you know, lack of a better description, but then they start building them bigger, um, into like massive boats that can carry like nine tons of, of stuff. Um, there was, there, there's been a whole bunch of research done on reed boats the ones I've been looking at, though, are, like you say, the sort of tubular canoe style. And there was another one. Picture a long... Now, I said a Dutch shoe, the wooden yeah. shoes. And you said more, maybe more like Aladdin's Aladdin shoe, shoe yeah. with, the, with this, the thin, pointy, upturned end. Yeah. Which, yeah. I've seen one read boats like that. And they're, there's used by fishermen. So there's a little hole at the back. So it actually looks out. like a shoe. It actually looks like a shoe. <laughs> yes. So they sit in front of the hole 
Mm-hmm. Well, some of them will lean, kneel in the hole to begin with. And then when they start catching the fish, they move forward and they use that as their hold for mm-hmm. the fish. Yep. Right? But it's, it's like two, they're 150 pounds. So you're not carrying them very far. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it looks like maybe um, a three foot wide by 10 foot long shoe mm-hmm. made of these reeds. And they float and low draft. Yeah. Perfect. They do soak up some water and kind of mm-hmm. draft a little bit lower and lower and lower. But yeah, and I think the key thing with these is uh, it's they're not heavy on resources. It's yeah. it's uh, so these reeds grow like weeds, and uh, so all you got to do is spend some time and effort to uh, collect dry and then form them into a watercraft. So it's not like you have to go to great effort for carving wood or or you know gluing stuff together or you know it's it, the effort. The effort is there, but you're not, it's not resource intensive. You're just taking some reeds that, you know, in, in a season that you can, you can pick as much as you want. And the next year, all those are going to be right back again. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fishing boat ones, as, as watching a little video thing, and they're saying that each fisherman has to grow enough reeds to make three of these shoe boats a year. Because with the pounding surf and everything they're trying to get through and mm-hmm. all and all that, they only last, you, you, you go through three of them in a season, a yep. fishing season. They're going right? to break up. So you're going to deteriorate, break up, that sort of thing. Get waterlogged. So that's what you, you know. Now, that would be my only drawback to one of these things is the fact that they don't last forever. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you, if you, but I mean, if you have access to the reeds all the time. Yeah. Then it's it's just all right. I gotta sit down yeah. and make another boat. Gotta Let's go, go out and <laughs> I gotta go collect another ten thousand. <laughs> come and help me. Now we saw one boat they were doing. Um, this is this goes this is like the ship thing because they wanted to prove the history. Uh, th- there's this guy Thor Heyerdahl, yep. uh, back in the sixties and seventies, and he wanted to prove that. They made it from the Middle East up towards like the Vikings yeah. in these reed boats way back in the day. Yeah, he's trying to prove the initial navigation and range of Vikings back in the day. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, wanted to prove that maybe the same peoples went across to South America by these boats. And everybody's like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. They wouldn't make it. And back in the 70s, early 70s, he actually, they actually made a, I think, he wanted it 64, it ended up being 54, I think, feet. Mm-hmm. Big boat. Yeah. And and then he actually took, was it 12 tons of papaya reeds over to um, Bolivia and had these oh, master- papyrus, papyrus reeds. Is it papyrus reeds? Yeah, papyrus. Um, he, he had these- these reed boat makers make a proper big yeah ship. So the guys who experienced who were experienced seasonal makers of these boats from Lake Titicaca, and uh, and uh, so yeah, he these guys are the experts in building them, and and so they used all of the the papyrus reeds that he collected and uh, and built them a boat. Yeah, so they they ended up going from Morocco to Barbados yeah. in 57 days on a reed boat. That's pretty impressive. And they had originally had six tons of gear on board, but when they found out they were, it just was a bit too much. They were loaded too heavy. Yeah, they, they started offloading. Yeah. Yes. Throwing <laughs> stuff overboard. <laughs> we're not going to need that. Hey, where's Timmy? <laughs> uh, and yeah. yeah, and they made it. So that was just sort of to prove that these reed boats uh, could make it that far. Now, like I say, you, you think of reed boats for, I mean, somebody says, um, you know, you, you talk about reed, a little reed boat, you know, well, from the Bible, Moses was stuck in a reed boat and sent off floating as a baby, oh, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. We've seen coracles, um, that are woven out of reeds. Yes. And, you know, to carry gear across rivers and stuff like that. Yeah. I saw pictures of a, of a reed woven coracle boat. And it, it's sort of like a tugboat for them or, or uh, a barge. And the pictures that I saw, they were transporting like motorcycles down the river on these coracle boats. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I got to thinking, if they can build these little canoes, would we be able to do one here? <laughs> we don't have, as far as I know, we don't have um, banana stalks. No. I could be wrong, but <laughs> uh, we don't have Totoro um, reeds, yeah. as far as I know. <laughs> uh, we don't have the, the pap- papyrus? papyrus reeds. Papyrus yeah. reeds. But what we do have... Who, so I'm looking like I got two options. I can visit my friendly neighborhood corn farmer yeah. and say, listen, come come fall. <laughs> can I have 10,000 corn plants, please? Can I have 10,000 <laughs> of your corn stalks after the, without the corn? Yes, you can keep the corn. <laughs> yeah, I want keep the corn. corn. I don't want the corn. I just want the, the what's left sort of thing. Or I can start hitting up all the little wetlands around. Yeah. And scooping up cattails or bulrushes. Mm-hmm. Cattails, because I call them bulrushes, you call them cattails. Yeah. They're the same thing, correct? I think so. Yeah. Uh, or a combo of both. Yeah. Right? And but you'd, you'd still need quite a bit. Yes. You're going to need a lot. Now, one thing I will point out before I forget it is I was looking at these guys in Peru in, on Lake Titicaca and they were paddling these small canoes. And a few of them are using, I would say, exact replicas of Greenland paddles. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? Did you see hand that carved, one? Yeah, hand, hand carved. Hand carved. Greenland. Yeah. And you swear they look exactly like a Greenland yeah, paddle. Exactly. Right? So that's, that's pretty cool that things are developing, you know, South America uh, and the Arctic. Um, the same sort of yeah. style. But it's sort of an intuitive style though, right? It's uh, it, it's not like you have the resources in some of these remote regions to like glue up and mill down a, a paddle, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So you it's, uh, get a stick and make it flat on the ends. Yeah. There you go. You got a paddle. Yeah. So there is, um, I mean, there, there'd be a lot of math involved in this. So we'd definitely have to get somebody else involved. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's going to be some math involved in this project, let me tell you. Well, you know, it if would you be, ha- if you know somebody with a with a large chunk of property, you could go and plant your own corn. Hey, oh. can I borrow your back forty? I want to plant ten thousand ear corn. Are you going to be using <laughs> your pool this year? Would you mind moving it? Would you mind if I filled it with yeah. dirt and planted corn? <laughs> yeah, but then what am I going to do with all that corn? I just need the stalks. What a waste. Well, you put a thing on the... Because I can't eat corn. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you start a little farmer's market and sell, sell the corn. Oh, sell the corn, pay for the land. Yeah. Wow. A 10-year and project then, to build your own reed yeah, boat. To, yeah, it's a 10-year project <laughs> to build my boat. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I could just save a lot of time. <laughs> Find a corn farmer. <laughs> Find a corn farmer or a bulrush farmer. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so basically you just get all these, these, I'm just going to use corn for, for the sake of for argument. For ease, yeah. Yeah. So you gather all your, your, your corn stalks. You lay them down in about, I guess it'd be about a 20 foot long section. And you just keep building it up to piles. Yeah. And then you tie these piles to like in round, you wrap them in, in rope. Mm-hmm. So they end up looking like. 20 foot long tubes. Yeah, like bananas. Two bananas strapped side to side. Two bananas strapped side to side, but pointy on both ends. Yeah. Right? Because both ends curve up, mm-hmm. right? Like two or three feet at least. Yeah. And they mesh. So they look like two points side by side. Yeah. But when you look at it, it looks like one point. Yes. But a divot down the middle of it sort of thing. Uh, so you get two of those. And like I say, with the, with the, the rope, um, you know, they do it, they're honking on that. So it's tight and it's smooth. And so would you do it traditional or are you going to use rope rope? Are you going to make your own rope? Well, see, that's the thing is you can, you can. Weave grass. Just buy rope yeah. or you get that straw farmer who's next <laughs> to the corn farmer and you can, um, weave your own straw grass, yeah. Yeah. um, 
rope. Exactly. Right? Which is what these guys, <laughs> they, they use some of the reed stuff or or maybe it would be the, the ears of corn, not the ears, the, the leaves from the corn stalk. Oh, yeah. You can make that into like a rope. Weave that into a rope. <laughs> there you that go. That would be your job because that's <laughs> much more time consuming than just getting some rope. Uh, but when I was watching the movie from the guys doing the raw too, the big ship yeah. went to Barbados, they were buying locally made, um, fiber rope. Oh, okay. So it was done. And there's that one video, uh, f- for National Geographic, uh, read boat builders of Lake Titicaca. It's okay. only a couple minute movie, mm-hmm. but the one guy, he's, his fingers are moving. He's, he's weaving straw into these ropes yeah. and he's just honking on these ropes to get them everything tight. Cause everything has to be tight, tight, tight. Right. Uh, but so you end up with these two bananas with pointy ends yeah. side by side, all stuck together. And they're probably, what were you we saying? It might be about four, four feet, feet around. around. Yeah. At least four feet yeah. around mm-hmm. the two of them. So basically your butt would be sitting right in the middle of these two things. Yeah. But then they get smaller ones that are maybe two feet around. Yeah. Um, and they fit. So if, you, if you're thinking the, the, the first two look like the bottom of a canoe. These next two would fit along the top outsides, like your gunnels, basically. Yeah. uh, Of a canoe. And they strap through and you weave that into the the rope into the bottom section. So everything is really tied together, tied together tight. Nothing's moving. Mm -hmm. And there's your boat. There's your reed boat. Seems pretty simple. It's the time consuming. That's the part. It's going to take some time. It's not a complicated matter. No. You're going to have to learn how to do some weaving and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we have that, uh, spring every, well, we didn't have it this spring, but, but every year they do the, uh, float your fanny down the ganny. You take whatever watercraft you come up with and, and you, uh, do a spring run on the, uh, on the flood and uh, and you you float down the Ganaraska River, and now, so you could do a reed boat down yeah. the Ganaraska. And what the benefit of that would be is because they're I mean even these big massive ships that they're building out of these reeds, yeah, the draft on them is so minimal, yeah. Until of course they start to soak up the water, yeah, right. Because eventually it's it's just like like I say the birch bark canoe that soaks in the water and exactly gets heavier and heavier and heavier mm-hmm. sort of thing. But if you can get zipping down, get enough speed going, hopefully you can make the rest the end of that race before you're too deep too low water, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's like I say when you start looking at how they're constructed, and uh, I mean some of the, some of them even have smaller tubes between the two big ones and yeah. sort of use that to mesh everything together, the two big tubes together yeah. and fill in joints and, and all that. And, um, just looking at the way these things are built. Yeah. I, I only, the only two things I could think of in Canada to use would be bulrushes or, yeah. or corn stalks. Mm-hmm. Cause what else would there be? Um, that's big and thick yeah. like, like that. I can't think of anything. Unless you want to start growing your own bamboo. Mm. Which is possible here. You get really young bamboo, so you don't want it too thick. Too yeah, big. but if you're doing bamboo, you're, you're probably going to end up with a, ro- with a with a raft. Yeah, I guess. Right? So, um, but yeah, you know what? Like, it, it's, it's there. there's a bunch of different styles that, that they make, but the basic, basic one is the two big tubes with the two small ones on top, you can make it as long as you want. It all, I mean, it just basically depends on how many stocks you get, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can make it for one person, two people. It'd be a great fishing boat just to get out on the water and do some fishing for a couple of hours, then bring it back, let it dry <laughs> on the dock, yeah. yeah, go back out next day or I, the looks that you get. The looks you get number one. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's flipped upside down in your truck as you're going to the cottage. <laughs> but like I say, when I was looking at these these pointed fishing boats, reed boats they have, the one person ones that look like Aladdin slipper, those are 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. You could probably take that on a canoe trip. 
Probably, yeah. If there's no portaging involved. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're or not portaging this thing. you've got one and your buddy's got one, and the two of you take one down of the portage, yeah. come back, and take the other one exactly. down of the portage, or you have portage wheels. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there's no way other, other than that. And at some point where you're done with this thing, you're going to go over that last portage or last set of wrappings and go and, I'm just going for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that way you don't need to carry it home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I've noticed some, um, you know, some of, the, some of the different designs and stuff like that. But it does look feasible. I just got to find a good corn farmer around here. Mm-hmm. I know, and but there's lots. There's, we're completely surrounded by by apple orchards and and corn and fields. fields. Yeah, yeah. And for the most part, the corn that grows around here, you see, many of the fields are are in like late late into November, December, sometimes January when they harvest them, depending on the season and how much snow we're getting. But that's that's cow corn. That's not yeah. people corn. That's just they're chewing that up and making uh, ca- cattle feed with it. Or every weekend. I go out for a drive in the middle of the night and mysteriously 10 to 20 corn stalks go disappear. <laughs> <laughs> All these farmers, they don't know that their, their corn fields Why does are a getting corner smaller. of that field keep getting smaller? Yeah, something going on with that corner over there. <laughs> I used to stretch to the road. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I got it. If I'm ever driving and I see like the farmer close to his edge of his field i'm gonna maybe have a chit chat with him yeah and say listen check this out show him some pictures and say i want to build something like this i need like some this. corn what do you think th- he might even let us use his barn there you go right yeah harvest yeah. it dry the dry the just corn inside there we'll be there in a weekend and yeah. get it done just gotta dry it on inside a barn and i could probably get 10 people to easy to come and help build something like that yeah. in a weekend and you know late in the season if you were to harvest in like uh, November, and uh, it would be already standing dry. It dry. It would dry standing, right? So it's yeah. long dead. Well, see, and that's why I'm thinking in the fall, mm-hmm. because I mean Halloween, they cut them and they sell. I mean, there's a there used to be a place Whittemore's up the road yeah. here, and at Halloween you go in there and get your pumpkins and all that, and they've always got corn stalks you can corn sell corn stalks for, and bales of hay for your front yard, yeah, <laughs> or bales of hay for to make your fiber rope. Yes, there you go. See? (laughs) Thinking there, buddy. I'm thinking there. So I think, yeah, I think I'm not going to do the, like I say, if you're looking at, say, two-inch round corn stalk versus a three-quarter inch round bulrush. Or less. I think corn stalk Mm -hmm. is the way to go. Yeah. You won't need as many stalks. No. And I think corn would be pretty I want you'd have to check on buoyancy and stuff like you'd have to get a sampling of uh, of corn stalks and see how it reacts to water do you have any corn that's more buoyant <laughs> thank you <laughs> I'm sorry sir your your corn is substandard it's just not buoyant enough I think this this needs more reason if there's any corn farmers out there listening we'd like to have your input on this I think it's doable I think it is totally doable to make a Canadian corn stock boat in the style of a Lake Titicaca reed boat. That's our project. What are you Googling, Derek? Derek's Googling. <laughs> Can you make a reed boat with corn stalks? <laughs> like you think I haven't Googled that already. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I didn't find much. Yeah, there's not really much here. Yeah. They keep yeah. talking about reeds. Yeah, they always switch back to reeds. Yeah. <sighs> See, I don't know how waterproof a corn stalk would be. As long as it get me out fishing for a few hours. I don't care. <laughs> there you go. Take it back in and... Well, I'm sure... I mean, it, I was going to say it's out in the rain. <laughs> All summer, how do you think it grows? Ooh. Maybe if I get live corn stalks, make my boat... 10 yeah. feet long. When it rains, it'll grow longer. There you go. So I'll end up with like a 20 foot boat. <laughs> Keeps growing. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, well, 
Was that a ten foot boat last last night? <laughs> yes. Uh, if you're interested in in some of these reed ships and stuff like that, and the whole thing, check out uh, Google Thor Heyerdahl. H e y e r d a h l. Uh, he's done, like I say, he did the the raw one and the raw two, like R A, uh, Sun God. Yeah. Uh, those two boats. Uh, trying to prove all these things. There's little movies and check out Reed Builders of Lake Titicaca. It's a National Geographic little like couple minute clip, but you can see the 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 type of boat we're talking about there. The one guy's paddling around in it and uh, with a Greenland style paddle and everything like that. Totally doable, Derek. <laughs> totally doable. I think we need to, if we have any good uh, math people, engineers, I think we should do that. We should put together, we need a corn farmer, we need an engineer, and a mathematician. <laughs> and now we're going to need some lackeys for work. <laughs> if you fit into any of those descriptions, let us know. A corn farmer, an engineer, and lackeys. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you going to call them? Exactly. Sidekicks? Derek will supply beer. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I'll let you use my boat. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so read boats. Like I say, if you start, if you just Google read boats and go into Google Images, there's a ton of different styles. Maybe we, maybe we just get enough reads to build a coracle. We can get two coracles and have races. <laughs> coracle races. Yeah. Corn stock reed boat coracle races. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Let's take a quick uh, break here. We're going to come back with a couple other things. One being a responsibility code. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Something we forgot to talk about, Derek, before we get into everything else here. Mm-hmm. We talked about the uh, Rick Dredeger last week. He did his book, Paddling Northern Saskatchewan, The Guide to 80 Canoe Routes. And before the show was ordered, you had already ordered a couple yes. of these books. Yeah. It reminds me of an extra thick driving manual. Exactly. Learner's, yeah. learner's yeah, manual. Learner's manual. Um, it's about the same size. There's, Yeah. Lots of maps, uh, lots of pictures, lots of info on the routes and stuff like that. Northern Saskatchewan canoe routes, uh, Barker Lake Whitewater area, Churchill River to Lac Larange routes, McLennan Lake canoe route area routes, uh, Besnard Lake to Churchill River route. There's tons of, well, there's about 80 of them. <laughs> and there's some fantastic photos. Some photos in here too, like. Lots of maps. There's a lot lots of, of photos. these. You, if you didn't tell anybody, they'd probably think they were like Northern Ontario, Northern Quebec, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Northern Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, there's pictures in here that I would swear I've I've seen before in Northern Ontario. Uh, the maps is the only. I mean, you can see it. Um, maybe I'm just getting old. But I mean, if you're going to, you're going to have a big full size map anyways, if you're planning a route Yeah. and this is just a guide and you can go into Google maps and follow this along more, but they're like topographical sort of maps. Um, but yeah, some of the routes in here look pretty good. I mean, some big water to, you can go up 
Reindeer Lake, that's on the other side. There's there's some, yeah, really nice, uh, really nice book. It's a very beautiful looking book. I like the cover. It's got this pebbled woven surface type thing. It uh, yeah, it feels neat. And uh, like the color really pops in all the pictures. The 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 uh, the maps are very detailed. It's uh, it make a really good coffee table book or a bathroom reading book. Yeah, you might be in there a while though. And it's got some weight to it. There's eighty different routes. I'm not used to books weighing this much. You're just not used to reading books. <laughs> this one got pictures in it and maps. Derek <laughs> might read this one. Exactly. Yeah, I went through every page in this book. I didn't read any of it, but I looked at all the pictures. And I guess they have pelicans in northern uh, Saskatchewan. They do. And that harkens back to the argument I had with my whole family that there weren't penguins. There are no penguins On your cross-Canada trip on the Canada Everybody told me I was loony when I told them there was pelicans in Alberta. And then we get to Alberta, and what what lands... Right in front of us on the water, a big old pelican. <laughs> look, and look. I'm just pointing to it and smiling at my family. <laughs> look at that! I don't see that because there are no pelicans in Alberta. <laughs> and then the dog swam out to meet it until he realized when he got close how big this bird actually was. Made a U turn and came off back hey, to shore. Shaggy. <laughs> that ain't no chickadee. Uh, yeah, so, uh, great book. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. Checking out some of the, uh, um, I'm sure there's a couple in here that when I just doing a brief, I've been to a couple of these places when I lived out West. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I have. So I'll have to do a little more research into those and take a gander at the roots. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks for buying it, buddy. Yeah. I'll throw you some money one day. Yeah. I'll let you pay cool. me back in beer. I really like the book. It's, yeah. it's got a nice... It's an attractive looking book, lots of photos and... That's why you like it. Yep, absolutely. It's a photo book. It's it's uh, just to scroll through the pages and I say scroll, but to flip through the pages. It's, but I mean, uh, some of them tell you, you know, you got to, you take the float plane in here and you do yeah. this route and... Very most detailed. People, most people take a float plane back out from this area and that sort of thing, right? And Which is pretty cool. And it's funny. It's like you think you... I, I, you and it's because I've driven across Canada, so I've driven through Saskatchewan. It's not really a place you kind of stop, but uh, it's like it's flat as far as you can see. So when 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 we're flipping through the book, it's like, wow, it's not so flat up north. This mm-hmm. is incredible. Like the like you're saying, like the photos and everything. It's like this is like northern Ontario, and it's uh, it's a very very beautiful province. Well, I mean, everybody says, oh yeah, Alberta or Saskatchewan's flat. Well, yeah, the southern half. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's not like you get to the border the of, the, part. of the Yukon <laughs> and all of a sudden, boonk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, oh yeah, see the edge of this, this guy's wheat field? Yeah, that's the end of, that's the northern part of Saskatchewan. When you get out of the wheat field, that's no longer Saskatchewan. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, What do we got here? Paddle wise, yes. the American Whitewater, uh, their nonprofit group, released a new responsibility code for river runners that they say is based on time tested guidelines for recreating on our rivers. So they, the these new guidelines they made are part of a full program called Paddle Wise, and it's developed by the American by American Whitewater in partnership with NRS. Their slogan is be your best self on the water and help protect, restore, and maintain access to our rivers. Which is, yeah, do that. Yeah, if, you, you're, if you're not driving, if you just kind of, if you're uh, sitting down looking at re- listening to us on your phone or on your computer, just uh, uh, navigate to paddlewise.org and you can kind of follow along as we uh, discuss some of the uh, some of the key elements of uh, responsibility code for paddlewise. Yeah, you don't really want to do that while you're driving. No, not while you're driving. Yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah. yeah. <laughs> unless <laughs> somebody beside you. Unless yeah, you're a passenger. Unless you're a passenger. <laughs> if you're sitting on the Greyhound bus right now, <laughs> not anymore. So the goal of the new guidelines is to create a simple and shareable responsibility message for the increasing number of individuals that are per- participating in mm-hmm. whitewater recreation. There's a lot more people over the last year and this year. That are going out on the water, right? Um, they're sort of comparing it to the national parks 
recreate responsibility uh, or responsibly yeah. or uh, the hike for the hikers and the no before you go skier, downhill skier code, right? Yes. So you know, know what's there before you go sort of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so paddle-wise is the river recreation-specific equivalent to this. So the code covers seven main principles, uh, knowledge, preparedness, safety, environmental awareness, respectfulness, inclusivity, and leave no trace. And they actually have a little eight and a half by 11 flyer that they, they have to, to pass out. Paddle-wise, a responsibility code for river runners. Uh, and it breaks down the seven different um, principles. Yeah, and these have. are these are transferable, translatable to like you can be a kayaker, you can be a canoeer, you can be a, a river runner, whatever. It's yeah. the, these codes are all they're all interwoven. They all work for any sport that you're doing. Yeah, it just so happens that they put it out for rivers. But yes. yeah. Uh, so first one is paddle smart, paddle within your ability, keep your skills sharp. Communicate with your team on the river. Think for yourself. Don't let bad decisions compound. Go big, but come home safe. Makes sense. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Right? Uh, Paddle prepared. Plan ahead. Consult existing beta. Understand international scale of river difficulty and your chosen river's rating. Well, that's massively important. Absolutely. You know, when you're talking like class, you know, oh, that's just a small rapid, but it's a class four. Yeah. And then you got, you get like, uh, you know, you get your class threes, then you get your technical class threes and you get your class two, your technical class two. And, and so it, it depends on sometimes it's uh, white water. Sometimes it's rock garden, white water. And so it's really, it's uh, you, you should be navigating the river especially if you're unfamiliar with river, like reading the river signs and, and have a guidebook to know that you're not going to get into trouble, that there's, you know, which way the river's pushing you and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, you got to be prepared. You got to, you got to research your route you so you don't get do. yourself in trouble. Carry proper equipment, including medical kit, spare paddle and emergency food and layers, which, you know, I mean, there's always been the, who carries a spare paddle? Is that the law? Well, it's not really the law. It's pretty smart, though. But it's smart to do that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, the medical break. kit. The medical kit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paddles definitely, especially doing white water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they happens. break or you drop it over the side or. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, paddle inclusive. Share it. Everyone with proper skill set is welcome. Find a mentor. Be a mentor. Acknowledge indigenous stewardship and land. Be a positive community, part of the community. Exactly. It's, it's for everybody. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's, we don't need river snobs out there. We don't need, and, and I think one of the sports that are, are kind of bad for this is like surfing and, and so on. Like the, the, there's a bunch of, uh, this is my wave or this is, you mm-hmm. know, if you, you've got whitewater guys who keep uh, circulating in and out of water and it's like, this is my river. It's like, you know, let everybody, everybody should be involved. Don't, it's not mine, mine, mine. It's like, uh, you know, enjoy it and enjoy sharing it. It's not mine, it's ours. Yes. Yeah. Paddle safe. This is, you know, I mean, we always joke safety third, but. Yes. (laughs) Paddle safe. Wear your PFD. Carry a throw rope, knife, and other safety gear. Practice safe river running technique. Set safety where appropriate. Take a swift water rescue course. And practice whitewater rescue skills regularly. These are some key items. These very. are some very key items. Like everything here that we've already read, they're all, a lot of these are, are it, it's uh, reading these here kind of makes you think, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Or, oh, I haven't done a rescue in a long time. Or, oh yeah, I've got to make sure I get my plan together for the river. Or, you know, I, you know, it's, it's all these things are really key points to, uh, to embrace for the, for the group that you're with or, or to share with the groups that you're going to be joining. And, and so like take a swift water rescue course, that's pretty important. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're getting into bigger and bigger water, you're in a bigger group. If you're with a group, say you get multiple canoes and kayaks, things can happen. You might find yourself trying to rescue somebody, right? You're going down the river, somebody slips over a waterfall, who knows, right? Things happen. Yeah. 
to even the people that are experienced. It happens. Exactly. Paddle no trace. As opposed to leave no trace, paddle no trace. Yeah. And the first part is leave no trace. Always be a river steward. Use existing access areas, trails, and campsites. Pack it in, pack it out. Use restroom facilities or bring your own waste disposal. Be aware of and remove micro trash. Again, key points. And look, it, I don't know when they first came out with the leave no trace principles, the seven, they say now eight leave no trace principles, but it's uh, it's one of those things. It's like if you want future generations to enjoy your roots and enjoy the outdoors where you're going, and and I guess it's really only, only the, the newbies who don't really take these things to heart or they don't even know about it and and you know you're 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 you know having lunch on this on the on the side of the river and you let your granola bar wrapper fly away and stuff like that it's like it's just bad etiquette and Mm -hmm. and you should be going out there and and leaving it cleaner or better than when you arrived well you know ben stacy of two men in the canoe uh we did the get outside with him on the trent severin there last year he recently posted a YouTube video. Uh, he went up the Rouge National Park River, mm-hmm. not too far from us here, just the other side of Pickering uh, in Toronto here. And he went up there and the water is very low. Oh, okay. Yeah. This would have been, I think he, he did this back in April. Of this year. Of this year. And the water was very low. Mm-hmm. And at one point he stops and you can see all the garbage. Oh. That's been like, there's tires that have been like just sticking out under the, uh, of the sand on the bottom of where there is river. Usually like all the stuff that collects on the bottom of the river. And and when all that water disappears, it's a trash can. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is this whole paddle note trace. Don't leave your, your Coke cans and your gum wrappers and granola bar wrappers and truck tires and. I often wonder at the mentality of people who would, are willing to leave things, these things behind, right? Willing to just dump their trash woods, drop your water bottle into the, into the bushes when you're done with it. It's like, I just don't get. No. Who's going to clean that up? Yeah. Like you think it's all flowing down to the end and. No, it just sits there. Somebody's going to sit there with a, they got a guy that sits at the end of the river, picks up trash. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. We have to be better. We have to be better humans. Uh, Paddle aware. Check weather and flow conditions. Check for closures and river regulations. Know your ability and your group's ability. Understand surrounding landscape and escape routes. Research existing hazards, portages, and critical features. Now, one of the hazards that you think about is some of the whitewater rivers they do um, have dam control. Yes. That you you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. know that you that's the the paddle aware. Mm-hmm. You gotta be aware that you know what every day at five o'clock they open up those dams yeah. or shut those dams, <laughs> as it were. Exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know your your class three becomes a dry riverbed yeah. sort of thing. Right. A key example of that would be uh, Madawaska Canoe Center, the MKC, mm-hmm. where they. Uh, what, for over 30 years, they've had an agreement with Ontario Power Generation. And so Ontario Power Generation, they uh, they released, their, I don't know the exact hours, but it's something like from 9 till 3 or, or whatever, they open the gates for the uh, control dam. And so you have full-on whitewater. And uh, I remember the few times I've been on courses up there, you, you go down to the river after supper, and it's just like a little burbling brook. Yeah. Whereas hours earlier it was you could see like the the rushing river the whitewater the gates and everything like that right it's like holy cow what a big difference like it's just the the uh, cubic feet per minute flow is such a huge difference yeah you got to be aware of this stuff yeah right it's incredible and the last principle is paddle respectful consider impacts to gateway communities consider impacts on the other paddlers drive slowly Park in designated areas. Respect closures. Be friendly and represent the whitewater community positively. And appreciate cultural cultural resources, but leave undisturbed. Yeah, more key points. It's it's one of those things. It's uh, 
I don't want to harp on new people, but uh, oftentimes it's people who are unfamiliar with uh, with uh, being out on the rivers and they're new to it and they're all gung-ho and and so they're they're not really doing the respectful thing mm-hmm. that's the respectful part of it right and uh so yeah it's it's one of those things you, you got to be got to be kind to others on the river and, you know give way to people who are who are running the rivers or or at a portage give way when people are coming ashore or want to get out to the lake it's one of those things you have to be respectful and some people, mm-hmm. some people kind of forget that. And some of it's a learning curve too with the new people, yes. you know, I know you, you don't want to yeah. harp, harp on the new people, but yeah. hopefully they, they figure that out or somebody tells them that, Hey, you know what? A little bit of etiquette and yeah. dictates this, that, and the other thing. Cause they are learning. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, you can't, you can't be a, a total putz to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you notice that they just keep on doing it and not really caring or yeah. get the attitude, then you get to, uh, Lay, lay in on them. So this is, as you say, paddlewise.org for a lot more information about this. Uh, we're going to post this on our, our uh, Facebook page and stuff like that as well. So people can check it out. It's a, there's a downloadable, like say uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet. And they're trying to get this out. They're saying, use the hashtag paddlewise um, on stuff and that just so people start getting it out there and, and getting in people's faces saying, what, what's this paddle wise? And you know what, go out there, respect your river, be smart about it, have fun, but you know, do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kayaking, we uh-huh. were, we were speaking of kayaking. Yes. <laughs> Cyril Deramo has left San Francisco, California. When did he leave? June 1st. Oh, just this week. Just this week. And he's on his way to Honolulu, Hawaii. Just a short little... 2,400 <laughs> miles. Nautical miles. Yes. Yeah. Solo, unsupported, 70 days. And he paddled out of Sausalito on June 1st. That's crazy. So, how, how do you possibly carry... So he's going to have to have a water purifier. So he's going to have to desalinate his water. He's going to have to carry enough freeze-dried food. He's going to have to fish, mm-hmm. right? To the logistics of 70 days at sea. You Just over two months. You cannot carry enough water on board, not without swamping yourself. So he's, he's going to have rain some catchers. kind of... Yeah, he's going to have rain catchers. Maybe he's got uh, like a hand pump reverse osmosis rig. Uh, he's going to have to have like all the food that he's going to have. Like, does he have a special kayak? He had, yeah, it's not your regular old yeah. kayak. So it's going to have lots kayaker. of storage. He might even have solar yeah. panels and, and a 12 volt powered uh, desalination plant. And Yep. If you go to solokayak2hawaii.com. He's, you can see the kayak he's using. There's photos and 3D model of it. There's a live tracker you can follow to see where he is. Um, he's raising funds for Ocean Voyages Institute. They they collect garbage and the ghost nets that are left drifting in the ocean, helping clean up the oceans, uh, and rivers for change. He's raising funds for them. And um, you can find out on on his page, you can find out more about Cyril and his paddling and stuff like that. But yeah, he's not kayaking, you know, your typical kayak. It's it's one of those big specially made ones with the storage, the sleeping area. So similar to like Fedor Kornikov when he yeah. did his round the world stuff and yeah. cross the Pacific, cross the Atlantic. Yeah. Equipped with electronics, radio, GPS, all that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, they don't really go into listing what he has, but there's tons of pictures. Yes. Right? Uh, the solar panels all along the tops. Like on, on the top of the sleeping section and along the front, mm-hmm. there's, there's an upper view of, of all that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's doing that 70, so 70 days, like you say, in the middle of the ocean, you can't just call it a day <laughs> and go home when you're tired, like, yeah. you know, like a la Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, well, I'm done running. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go home now. Right. Um. You can't just, there's no one to talk to. And I think the biggest thing, like I can handle all of that. As long as I had some way to protect me from the sun, 
Yes. Because when I start getting like out in that, just straight out in the sun, I need a umbrella or something or tarp or, or whatever. Uh, at least he's got the sleeping area where he can get out of the sun if he needs to for a bit. No one to talk to. I could deal with that. I'm a, I like talking to myself and sometimes <laughs> I give myself some great <laughs> advice. Yeah. I think the thing that would get me the most would be knowing there's bad weather coming. Yeah. And not being able to escape it. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I'm on land or something, you see this massive lightning storm coming and, well, whoop-de-doo, I'll just zip onto the house or sit in my car or whatever. But when you're out in the middle of the ocean and the waves start going and the rain's coming down yeah. and the thunder and the lightning and and you're in this little tiny boat, <laughs> you can't do a thing about it. That would be the only part yeah. of the whole thing that I would, if you could promise me there'd be no bad weather, I'd be doing this trip every other week or every other 70 <laughs> days, I yeah. guess. But yeah. So if you go to, um, solo kayak to Hawaii.com that have you seen his, uh, his boat there? Yeah. I'm looking it's, at it now. So it looks like the, uh, it looks like the, uh, you take an F1 car and you take the wheels off. Yeah, yeah, right. That's pretty much exactly mm-hmm. what it's looking like, you know. And he's yeah, he's he's got to have a ton of. He'd have to fish or something. It, you know what? It, it's uh, there's enough. It looks like there's enough storage. He's got because he's got storage in the front too, right? Bow and like he's got a, most of the back would be sleeping quarters and mm-hmm. radio communications and EPIRB and all that stuff, right? And but then so it's it's pretty narrow. So it's like proper kayak, right? It's uh. I wonder how stable it is. Right? I would figure it'd have to be stable. Yeah, you want it to be stable, but uh, just think of like in rough seas. He comes you into need it. A, I wonder if it rates itself. I would hope so. It's probably got some ballast, a keel and ballast maybe. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. It's yeah. uh, quite the rig. So check him out. Cyril uh, Deramo uh, is going from San Francisco to... Honolulu, Hawaii in 70 days. <laughs> so check, definitely check out the tracker and it shows where he's going to be. And it actually has a dotted line for his route to uh, Honolulu. So that's pretty cool. Uh, other than that, that's all I've got. Yeah. I'm just uh, I'm looking at some 3D images of his kayak now. It's flat bottom. It's like a proper kayak, but then it's got a cabin in the back. Because mm-hmm. there's one picture that shows it next to... Um, a yellow double kayak. Okay. Right, a double hole, a double seater kayak, which is about the same length. And yeah, it's it's not much longer. It's maybe a foot mm-hmm. or something longer. So it's it's you know um yeah it's it's got the 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 rudder on the back and everything. There's yeah the 3D model that you can spin it around and and check. It's quite the rig. Yeah. Uh, it's made by a guy over in the UK, I believe. He builds these for people to do these big expeditions. He's, I believe he's the top guy in the world. If you want to do this, you go see him. I think his name's Peter something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, over in the UK. Hmm. Peter something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it's probably, it's probably listed on there. It's, Kaya- building uh... the kayak. Ocean Kayak Valentine designed by Dan Davey and Rob Fel- Fel- Floy. Uh So they designed it. Mm-hmm. Not saying who made it. I know somewhere it says made by. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I saw it in his blog. Oh, okay. It was in his blog that he said this guy was making it over there. and uh, Because he's supposed to go last year by the sounds of it. But because everything got shut down... He had to cancel the, the shipping exactly. container that was bringing yeah. it over and and all that sort of stuff. So, hmm. yeah. So check it out. And uh, I think you know, there's some pretty cool information there. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. Other than that, you got anything else? I do not. Well, okie dokie. Well, look at that. I think that's it then. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can download and stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. 
or go to the episodes page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can listen or uh, download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your family, friends, fellow paddlers. And if you do happen to go to our website, don't forget to hit the uh, merch button oh, yeah. and go check out our store. There might be, uh, I've gotten a few people have ordered some drawstring bags and, <laughs> and uh, shirts and stuff like that and are enjoying them. So awesome. And I was actually, I actually was wearing one on the weekend, my Paddling Adventures radio yeah. shirt and totally forgot to take a picture of myself in it. <laughs> it's a comfy shirt though. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself one. I should. You should. Um, that's about it. So I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.